Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in My name is Dapper Dan Gavazdan, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals and the dot .bey issues, which definitely count. Oh yeah, those dot .bey issues, man, they are counting strong, Dan. Well, that's because I am mischievous Marchinacchio. I too own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals. But unlike the .bey and even the .hus and on the, the the .dot whatevers, those annuals don't count, Dan. We gotta we gotta hold the line and set some standards here, and I, that is my standard. Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. Thanks for joining us for this special review episode of the Amazing Spider Talk. If you want to swing along with Dan and I on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app. Every other week, we put out a mainline episode of our flagship show, and sprinkled in between, we review new comics as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. This is the perfect time to start listening. So today on the show, Dan and I are going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, Number 79, which is Beyond Chapter 5. This issue was written by Cody Ziegler, with pencils and inks by Michael Dowling. Colors by Jesus Abertov, with a cover by Arthur Adams and Alejandro Sanchez Rodriguez. And of course, letters by VCs Joe Caramunga. This issue was first released on November 24th, 2021. That's my wedding anniversary, Dan. Wow, that's so nice. Congratulations. Yeah, they gave me a new comic on that day. So nice. 14 years and now a comic. Anywho. I'm, I'm sure that's how your wife wants to remember it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're also going to be talking very briefly about that issue of Amazing Spider-Man 78.bey. Don't think that we forgot it. Even if we might want to, we will talk about that very briefly at the end, but we're going to get to the more meat of this meat and potatoes by talking about 79 first. So let's get the summary music going and get right into the summary here. Here's what happened in Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, Number 79. We open on a bar where the Beyond crew celebrates a successful week of work. One worker named Doug gets pretty sloshed and wanders off alone into the alleys of New York City. Not a great idea, Doug. Doug is then caught off guard by some unseen force and we assume gobbled up like some cold opening red shirt. 
Back at the office on Monday, Beyond is powering up Ben Riley's new suit to make him vampire-proof while confronting him about being unreliable. Ben pushes back, suggesting that he's Spider-Man first and a Beyond employee second before leaping to freedom off the building. He's installed an anti-tracking program into the suit, which allows him to do what he wants without Beyond peering eyes. And on that note, he visits MJ and Peter in the hospital and relieves MJ of her watch over him. He confesses to Peter that he's a bit unsure about Beyond and his role as Spider-Man, but an emergency calls him back to Beyond to deal with this random truck heist. Mark, I gotta ask, is he stuck in the Spider-Man PS4 game? I I, I kind of understand that reference, but not actually, because I haven't had a PlayStation since the PS2. But go on, Dan. <laughs> All right, I will. Then Spidey is called to a Beyond board member's apartment. The board member is in trouble and calling out for help. But is it actually? No, it is actually all a front for Craven, who is trying to trap this new corporate Spider-Man. They tussle and Ben tries to escape, but as he's jumping out of the building, he's poisoned by Craven and begins to have hallucinations of the world morphing before his eyes and all kinds of craziness, and Craven looks like a god. And I gotta admit, Mark, I'm pretty excited for the next issue because it <laughs> promises some wacky visuals. So that's all the stuff that happens in Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 79. Mark, we, uh, we're getting this new creative team. You know, we're, we're getting these every couple of issues or so. Cody Ziegler and Michael Douglas. What did you think of uh, this new creative team? Tonally, this this story felt more aligned with that very first arc that we got from Zeb Wells and Pat- was that that was Gleason, right? On art, I'm now forgetting. <laughs> yes, it's Patrick Gleason. Yeah, I mean, not saying I, I mean Gleason's art is in another is another orbit right now, which is no disrespect to, to Michael Douglas, but but I felt you know it's certainly in terms of the script and 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 the pacing. I mean, like I I felt like. We got a little more of a confidence in Ben as a character, although, you know, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But like, you know, like not that I didn't like the second arc, but I I, I definitely felt it was kind of a step back from some of the fun and, and, and humor that we got in the first. And, and I was happy to see Co- Cody kind of re- rekindle that a bit here. I mean, what, what, what was your takeaways in terms of the creative team? I feel very similarly. I feel like... Of the three writers, this Ben is the most recognizable to me as like Ben Riley, at least in terms of his voice and like confidence. And and we'll talk about the characterization of him in a little bit. But that to me was kind of the main draw to this issue. I still kind of feel like the plotting is a bit all over the place. There's a lot of kind of like strong, isolated scenes, but I don't know that I really see how like this really connective through line that I felt like the first two issues really had. There's this kind of subplot, if you will, about like Ben becoming like doubtful about his relationship to beyond, but I don't really see how that connects to Craven in any way. So, you know, I feel like we're kind of doing a loose check-in kind of like we were getting in the past two issues, but the, the kind of inclusion of that subplot feels a little bit, stronger than like how that connects to Morbius. So I'm interested to see how this plays out with Craven. But I will say like right now, these two kind of arcs, this one and the previous one, still feel kind of random with the villain that's included. It almost feels like the villain seems like a, a reason to have some kind of action going on. 
that's completely independent of what's going on in, in the beyond stuff. And, and to say that it actually feels very much like classic Spider-Man because that's a lot, how a lot of those issues were. You'd get your dramatics with this, you know, the uh, supporting cast and then a villain that feels completely tangential to that. But the best Spider-Man comics to me, and I thought the first two issues of this series managed to find some connection between like how they were using the villain plot and the, subplots and this one to me feels similarly like kind of disparate did you feel that way it's almost like we're still not it still doesn't totally feel like organic spidey if that makes sense it's like you know it it feels very locked into some kind of i don't want to call it a system but i it's like yeah like you know here here is ben's check in with horizon and not horizon with beyond here is here's our check-in with peter and here's the villain and 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 it's not you know like it's not organically flowing from scene to scene yet you know like you said there is definitely some promising stuff promising individual scenes and there's also like as i think as in general like i'm i'm having fun reading these and like I, i i'm not i'm not feeling like i'm getting too caught up in trying to play games with the writer in terms of what they're where they're trying to lead us so that's kind of refreshing after what we were getting a steady diet of preceding this but like it's not organically flowing yet and that's i think that my biggest criticism of what beyond has introduced us and i don't know if that's a reflection of the different creative teams but frankly brand new day didn't have that issue i mean it's it's not it just doesn't feel like it's getting stitched together yet does that is that kind of what you're getting at i think that's right i mean i I was actually going to say like i think early brand new day kind of had that issue you'd have like it it was like you know you'd have dan slot was doing something with like mr negative and then you know it, it felt a lot kind of more random and eventually you've got these subplots that really figured out how to work their way through multiple different creative teams culminating in something like Craven's grim hunt, you know, like that to me was like, Oh, we really figured out how to do this. Yeah. The gauntlet and all that. Yeah. You know, like I said, I'm still really enjoying it, but it, it, it does, it does feel manufactured. Like you said, right. Even, even the beyond element, I'm like, still like, I don't know how this company is in, involved in Spider-Man all of a sudden. I will say that I'm going back and read reading Next Wave Agents of Hate to kind of get brushed up on my beyond. And in in that series, they're like a straight up terrorist organization, the Beyond Corporation. And I know that people have argued that Next Wave Next Wave Agents of Hate isn't in Marvel 616 canon because it's really silly and does all these crazy things. I don't know the way this is written. It kind of almost expects that, you know, that beyond is an organization that has existed prior to this, I guess. I I guess I just like still am feeling a little dubious about like how that element has been injected into. I mean, like you said, it feels artificial as like natural Spider-Man storytelling. And it is artificial. Like we literally kind of like as good as Zeb Wells writing was. It was a like a weird sidestep for you know nineteen issues, and it, and it will continue to be. So I, I'm wondering if like how long I'm going to have this feeling of this just doesn't feel like it's in the natural flow of things, or if that's just an issue to issue basis kind of thing. 
What what did you think of uh, Douglas's art? It's not it's not a uh, it's not a uh, Hank Pym Michael Douglas, right? Uh, this is a completely different one, I believe. Oh, sorry, it's Michael Dowling. Dowling, uh, Michael okay. Dowling's art. <laughs> Peeking into the notes, it says Michael Douglas. I, I like Dowling's. Dowling's. I think you were confusing Doug. With, you know, poor Doug. That's it. <laughs> Doug. Poor Doug. Yeah, I like Dowling's art here. I think it reminds me the most of something like somebody like Ross Andrew. He has incredibly detailed backgrounds. Like his New York City backgrounds are really amazing. And he has like kind of the Spider-Man flying over the city in the way that Andrew used to do. But I think there's something about his poses that just don't seem as fluid as Ross Andrew. Like there's there was... You know, all comics are you know images that are frozen in time. But you know, an artist can really find motion in there. And when I was reading this, a lot of the like the images seemed really frozen in time to me. I didn't feel like Spider Man was moving across the page, and that could be down to layouts, which I think his layouts are far more simple and then even Pacelli, but definitely than than Gleason. So I really like him. I think he's got really strong foundations. His people's faces are really expressive. I just don't know that he's got the Spider-Man movement down just yet, but like in terms of the people we've gotten on this book in the past year, which has been, I don't know, like throw a stone in, in, in comics art and they've been working on an amazing Spider-Man book in the past year. I would put him in the upper, you know, 25% of the people that have been on the book. I definitely agree with that. I mean, and, and I mean, you know, not to, not to get too down the rabbit hole of, of Andrew, but like I, 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 as, as, as great and legendary as Ross Andrew was, I mean, I sometimes found his work to be a little, a little stiff kind of in the way that I found like early Bagley to be a little stiff, uh, you know what I mean? But, but, but it looked really good and really clean. So you're kind of like forgave it, you know what I mean? Like, so, which is kind of what I thought here, like this, this, this was very clean. It was very, you know, so like, I feel like maybe as he gets more comfortable, we'll see some really, really kinetic stuff here. But like, this was this, I mean, this was a great debut for him on, on the book for sure. And I'm really excited for the next one because some of the trippy visuals that we've got here, especially that final page where there's like the giant craven with these kind of almost like repeated chalk outlines and Spider-Man's body like melting away into liquid. That stuff looked great. And I have to imagine if there's any reason they put him on this, it was to do the trippy visuals because that seems to be the kind of like selling point of the next issue of this story. So I'm excited to see that and see what he, he brings to that. So let's talk a little bit about Ben Riley here. We alluded to it earlier. I mean, I, I feel like of the three arcs so far, this was definitely more aligned with the Ben I remember from the 90s with some quibbles. But, but, I mean, what did you think? Well, it's funny because Ben kind of like describes himself through how Beyond describes him, which is bullheaded and strong-willed. And that's exactly how I would characterize Ben from the 90s, which is he's like, I don't know if I would say he's like Spider-Man with an edge, but he definitely didn't have like any of Peter's patience, which Peter doesn't already have a lot of patience. It's, it's he's Peter with less to lose because he doesn't have the MJ and he doesn't have Aunt May, you know, like he doesn't feel those attachments. So, you know, he's got that that feeling of responsibility at his core that 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 keeps him on the heroic path, but with less to lose, he can be a little more 
spontaneous, impulsive from a character that's already, you know, gets described as impulsive. But, you know, I think I think upping the ante on that leads you to bullheaded and strong willed. And he was also kind of a social outcast for a long time, you know, so he is a little less tactful with his social skills. And you can see that here. There's a great moment where he says, like, I could have done a firmware update in my sleep, you know, and the the science techs are like we're right here dude you yeah. know like uh, <laughs> way to insult us and 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 that to me felt you know really appropriate for this character and to that point like for Cody Ziegler's writing I'm like all right and and I think truly this is kind of the first comic where we've really gotten you know a, like allowed Ben to really be the driving central force of it I mean even in the Kelly Thompson things he still felt like he was kind of like being kind of pushed along by the plot here he's kind of you know he he triggers this anti-tracking thing he goes to visit peter he's kind of off on his own adventures i think it's the first time we've really spent that much time with ben and cody really got it right i think for the most part yeah i mean i think the overarching criticism that i would have here is like you know, and and part of this is even in how Ben, I think, kind of comes across himself, but also the the larger just the characterization of this of this whole Beyond arc is like we almost seem ignorant of the fact that like this guy was Spider Man for a very big chunk of time in in you know both this history, but like just in general, like I I it, it just feels like you know like I'm I'm you know it's like he's discovering what it is to be Spider-Man it's like dude you've been Spider-Man like what 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 what's to discover like <laughs> like what are you forgetting <laughs> um it just it just seems a little silly to me because you know like putting aside that he's his clone i mean i don't know like i i i i i don't quite get why it, he comes across as so inexperienced. I mean, it's it, he was never that inexperienced when he first took over as Spider-Man back in the 90s. I don't quite get why he's like that now. Yeah, that, that to me is the one thing I don't understand. It's almost like they're using clone as a demerit instead of like what it is, which is he's a perfect clone of Peter Parker up to a certain point. But then he had adventures on his own, which made him a different Spider-Man but not one, I think, really any less suited to it. I mean, he's not gone on the grand adventures that Peter has gone on, if only because there aren't as many comics published about him and he was dead for a long period of time. If that's the road they want to go down, which is like you were dead for 20 years or however long it is in the Marvel sliding timeline, that doesn't seem to be the avenue that they're going down. The way that I'm reading it is they're kind of like, this guy wasn't ever allowed to be Spider-Man, but only through beyond can he fulfill his, you know, dreams of being Spider-Man for real. And with their support, he can really step up to the plate. And it's like, I don't really like if that's the case, they need to tell us why he feels so inadequate. Yeah. Which I, I mean, we'll get to that when we talk a little later about beyond, but I think that's, that's the other thing just kind of holding this run down right now is like there is a key plot point that tie, that's trying to tie this narrative together that they're not giving us all of the details on. And, and it's hard to tell if that's by design or if that's just by poor 
storytelling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I guess I guess we got to wait a little longer to see if it's by design. But like, I, I don't know, like because I, I don't also feel like they're really trying to establish a mystery angle here of some sort. I think they're just neglecting to tell us something. <laughs> Well, that's it. I mean, it, it, it could be that whole mystery box thing again. You know, the J.J. Abrams of it all. I don't feel like, I mean, I know that this has a definitive end. So it's like, uh, you know, which is maybe part of the promise, you know, like no better way to get me on board your book than to tell me it will be over in a certain number of issues. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, because because it, like even then in here, we're getting like Ben, like I love that he uses Peter as like a ethical sounding board. Like, I think that's great. Like, that's a great motif. Even if Peter is just like laying there, you know, like suffering through these questions. But like, you know, that's a great way of doing the kind of like swinging around New York, asking questions of yourself to literally be asking questions of yourself. Like, I, I, I like that as a motif. But he's asking here, like, I, you know, he's saying, I'm not asking anymore who is Spider-Man, but what is Spider-Man? And it's like, okay, that's a good question. And, you know, I'm glad that we're getting to that, but I don't know that the series has earned that profundity yet because we, we like, we're not seeing how those questions have arised for Ben or arisen for Ben rather. There is something missing, even if it is still enjoyable. Why don't I talk about the slack for a bit here, Dan? Yeah, go off, Mark. All right, so hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider-Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. Yeah, I'm there all the time. This week we were talking about all kinds of new things. I mean, there's the new Hawkeye series that we've been discussing. Mark, I I hear you've been digging this Hawkeye show. Yeah, I mean, I watched the first two episodes on on Wednesday night, and I, I, you know, it was another anniversary gift to my wife and I, a new new Disney Plus show. And I I don't know. I mean, like, of course, I love the source material, but I I was happy with, with that so far through two episodes. I've been really enjoying it too. So if you want to join this awesome Spider-Man community, just follow the link in the description and be sure to say hi. And bro, once you're there, be sure to let us know what you thought of this new episode. Back to it, Mark. (laughs) All right. But it's so clear that Beyond is just like totally unethical and evil and morally bankrupt. And I know like we're getting these kind of moments peering into Ben's psychology here about you know, maybe they're not all they're cracked up to be, but it's like it's 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 so much it's so apparent that it's not even it's like it's so much further along than how Ben is presenting it here. Like they're bad. So what is like it's it's really starting to strain believability for me here that Ben would still be going along with this. I know he's the clone, but like, what's the deal, bro? Like, Why are you hanging out with these guys? Just get out on your own and be Spider-Man while Peter's in a coma and do the right things and get away from these guys. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, this is part of what I was saying before. I feel like there's just stuff in the narrative that's not, they're, they're not telling us and it's, it's not entirely clear to me. Like you said, is this the mystery box or is this just like, no, whatever, just go with it. And, and I, I don't know, like, I kind of feel like they're, it's just a, a just go with it situation. I don't really feel like they're 
laying down clues. It's like, I mean, like, it's, it's patently obvious what's going on here, but it's just like Ben's an idiot to it. And I don't get it. And it's kind of taking me out of it when it happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a interesting note, because like for me, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking like it. Are they supposed to be evil or is this supposed to be kind of making fun of tech bros? You know, like, is it making fun of Silicon Valley, you know, and like San Francisco and and all like the kind of like because it opens with this great scene in this bar where they're like all trying out the new tech on each other. And like you get this kind of almost like bro atmosphere of the drunk guys that are doing this. So like in that regard, it seems pretty like innocent, you know. Uh, other than it is just like these guys that are just doing their jobs, you know, other than like, you've got like Maxine danger, which you just sounds like a villain by your name, but she doesn't show up here. You know, this confrontation between, you know, with, with Ben where he's like, Hey, like I- I'm Spider-Man first. And like, my job isn't to make beyond look good. And it, there's pushback. That's like, no, that actually is your job to help people and make beyond look good. Like if this is really about uh, like a, a critique of capitalism or corporate corporate the corporatization of police force or whatever it is, then I would love for it to be that. And I can't tell if it's like a satire or it's like a mustache twirling evil thing. And I just wonder if they just don't have a take either way with like what they want to do with beyond. And that's why it's coming across as kind of like so wishy-washy. I guess, but like, you know, I, and I know we're, we're only going to be talking briefly about it later, but then like you go to like the dot beyond issue and, you know, the stuff with Misty Knight and, and Colleen and, and Captain Marvel or, or not Captain Monica Rambo. And you're just kind of like, I mean, you know, to me, that's more apparent that like, you know, that, that they know something is up. They're trying to keep, you know, they're trying to keep MacGuffins away from beyond. And you're, you're just kind of like, you know, yeah, because they're, they're, they're clearly messed up, you know, like they're, they, these are these are not great people here. So I don't know. Like that's like I said, they're, they're giving us the clues, but they're not, you know, they're, they they seem to be withholding why Ben seems to be so out feel you know why the bullheaded and and or whatever a strong-willed person feels compelled to keep going with them you know that's kind of that doesn't mesh for me (laughs) i think he's willing to take their weapons and upgrades while they work but we're gonna see that 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 thread get a little bit more frayed which is interesting, you know, we talked early in the kind of like first two issues about them like hiring the UFOs to take on Spider-Man. And is there some kind of nefarious thing going on there where they are kind of like profiting off of, I mean, there's the whole idea of like, there was never better tech made in America than during wartime because you have to develop tech. And like that was kind of my early read on 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 this comic, but the Craven and Morbius seem kind of so tangential. Like they, they, it doesn't seem like Beyond is sticking them on anybody. Although certainly, although certainly we start here with them developing tech for him to combat Morbius. So maybe that is still going on. But I would love to see that kind of like connection be a little bit tighter with these villains and. And what we're getting here. So speaking of which, let's talk about Craven. We lamented last time that he didn't have the tattoos. So we were like, are they going to do the clone thing? Like, or are they just pretending that this is old cave Craven? And I like, at least to me, it seems from this issue, fairly obvious that 
They're just going with ignore hunted, so to speak. It's just craven, which is weird. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it's not it's not like hunted was that long ago. And and yeah, I I, I mean, like. Which is also disappointing to me because it's like, okay, like if you're going to use like these legacy characters, like then let's build on the legacy, whether you you like the stories or not. I don't know. Like, I just feel like, you know, to kind of like ignore everything that happened and then and then to just keep telling this story, it, it, it loses something because then it's just like, okay, why is Craven here? You know, why is he going after the Spider-Man? You know, like I, I it doesn't make, it, you know, it, it, but I mean, if, if fortunately, it ends on a on a high note, literally, <laughs> hallucin- hallucinogenically <laughs> high. But like, I don't know. Like, I, I just, it, I just felt kind of bummed by it because I felt like this wasn't like craven the way it could have been. You know, like it, something was just missing there. What's funny is it almost feels like how Craven has been used in all the other Marvel titles recently because he's been popping up, you know, in Deadpool and Squirrel Girl for the longest times. You know. Um, he even mentions Deadpool here. He mentions Wolverine as well. Wolverine did fight him fairly recently in, in the comics. And I think it was the clone one in both of those instances. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was the clone one in both of those instances. Craven, and maybe this is just like kind of like by its very nature that Craven in Spider-Man comics has only been used recently for these big mega stories because they're always about him resurrecting himself or whatever. We haven't really had many like Spider-Man just fight Craven like a any other foe story in decades, you know? And so here we've just got like Spider-Man is fighting Craven and you're it can't help but like feel like it's reducing the character, but you almost kind of have to reduce the character from what he was to get him back to being somewhat normal. The biggest missed opportunity for me here and maybe they do it in the next one is both of these characters are cloned versions of the original, you know, guy. Like, that seems like 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 a, fer- a fertile ground to do something with, you know? Like, I'm coming after you because you're a clone. And I, I don't know what you would do with that, but I think you could do something with that or mention it offhandedly. I don't disagree with that. I, I Like I said, I, I, I just overall felt like not not that I wasn't happy to see it and it wasn't a fun sequence, but I don't know, like it, it, it was just miss, like, like like some of the other elements of the story just missing something. So speaking of missing, you know, I want to go back to the beginning. We've got this Doug character who like sings a song after getting drunk and wandering around New York City. Mark, I, I, I won't use this as a tangent to ask you about drinking in New York City. I mean, certainly I was in my early 20s living in New York City and uh, have many stories to tell. What do we make of this? Because like to me, it felt really disconnected from the rest of it. And like maybe this is the way to tease like a future villain that is, you know, that is coming without going directly to it. Like say like Spencer did with Craven stuff. But like it's so disparate, you know, like I, I don't even have any inclination of was I meant to think it was Craven? Like, I don't really think his like saying, Oh my God, looking up at the camera is a reaction that someone would have to Craven. Did you have any like thoughts about this? No, I, I, I mean, like I, I was honestly just kind of going back to, yeah, like the Spencer room when we would get these little sequences at the beginning of the issue that were kind of profiling, like the villain to come. 
and it kind of dawned on me didn't we didn't we get a teaser for like a new goblin character coming down the pipeline in the coming months or something i mean like so and that would someone that would be up in the sky so to speak so like maybe it's a teaser for the new goblin i don't know that was my one guess well we have the queen goblin coming so i think that's a really good guess i just want to say this uh you know we often talk about editorial on the show i don't know if you caught this mark they released a variant cover during the solicitations for, I believe, February's comics. And one of the variant covers is the design sheet for this uh, Goblin Queen character that they had released when they announced the character. But they in this on this cover, it says the name of who is in the costume, in the Goblin Queen costume. And the solicit is like, who is the, the Goblin Queen? You know, who is this mystery? And I have to think that it was a mistake by whatever assistant editor or whatever that sent out these images to not remove the text that has it written on there. And so, like, obviously I tweeted at Nick Lowe about it. He didn't respond you know, now I know who the goblin or the queen goblin is. Okay, um, I didn't from see the it, so, so I'll be surprised. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll say that it's another one of those like someone sent the wrong JPEG. I, I have to imagine. Uh, I'll be curious to see when that that issue comes out if it's actually printed on the cover or they just sent the wrong art off. Yeah, that's a that that they announced it like three days earlier. And then they like, you know, mistakenly, you know, posted, I have to assume it's a mistake, posted who it is in the costume. So yeah, avoid the February solicits. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're going to say something about the design sheet. I was like, I have that Red Goblin design sheet variant, which I don't even know what that's worth these days, but I'm sure it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I have that too. I have that too. So yeah, I think you're probably right. It will be the Queen Goblin, who I already know who it is, Mark. <laughs> All right, moving moving uh, along. Uh, do we want to do we want to get a grade in before we talk about the Beyond issue for the dot B Y issue, or or how do you want to do this structurally, Dan? Yeah, let's get let's get a grade in here, Mark. I'm giving this one a B. Yeah, I'm 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 there with you. I mean, I'm kind of as I talk more about it, leaning B minus, but I'm gonna stay with B because I'm 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 in a giving mood. It's Thanksgiving weekend, Dan, so we'll 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 say B. <laughs> okay, so speaking of the letter B, oh my God, these transitions are getting worse. Let's talk about this seventy-eight dot beyond, Mark. We we had discussed how like we felt the inclusion of Colleen Wing and Misty Knight was kind of random. And I think I, I either I said it to you off podcast or on podcast. I was like, yes, but Jed McKay is a great writer. So maybe he's got a great story that he wants to tell and they're going to make it work just because they got this solid one shot sitting in them there. It has since come out that they are doing a Misty Knight Colleen Wing series or a mini series. So my like thoughts about that are now dashed to the wind because they are just advertising this other thing. But like, did Jed McKay, a writer who I really enjoyed on Moon Knight and Black Widow and a bunch of other titles, he's one of Marvel's hot new guys. Did he make a splash? Like, is, is he going to be worthy of taking on the amazing title? Mark, your thoughts. I mean, I I don't know if we can cast a judgment on Jed McKay from this one issue, but I mean, no, I mean, this was... 
this was pretty forgettable. I think you know. I, I I mean, it was. I mean, it was forgettable, but it was also exactly what I expected it to be, which was just kind of like a massive sidebar that had really nothing to do with. I mean, I, I shouldn't say had nothing to do with the main arc, but like it's 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 all just very loose and feels kind of ham fisted, and you know, like you said, like we're trying to push these two characters for other means, and you know, whatever they 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 got they got my three ninety nine. Congratulations! I, I I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, like I I didn't I didn't hate it, but like it's literally going you know back in the bag and. I will probably not be revisiting this issue anytime soon in any kind of meaningful way. <laughs> it's funny because I don't feel like as much as we like to beat up on the point ones, which is what I'm going to call this, you know, because it is similar to the dot HUs and the point ones of the world. I don't feel like we've had one this inconsequential in quite a while. Like whether that just be the weird publishing choices of the spider office that has spun off the main title for like an essential parts of the main title into these point one issues, largely through the Spencer run. But like, I don't feel like they've been this inconsequential. Like the last one that I truly felt like this was maybe like, I think we had like a Deadpool one that was kind of random. And then there was like the Venom one back in the day that launched the Venom series, the uh, Rick Remender Venom series. But even those like were really like, kind of like fun Spider-Man-y characters. This one to me feels like really cynical, maybe like the most cynical point one that I've read. It just meaning like they're just there to get your money and get you to pick up another series because they want to sell you comic books. I don't know, Mark, am I being too harsh on this? No, I don't think so. I mean, this was this was clearly a marketing ploy to do something else. I mean, like it's it's it was not it, it didn't read like a spider-man comic in any kind of meaningful way i mean you know the, the the connections are pretty loose but whatever like i said they got my 399 so congratulations apparently apparently i had to ask for the special too that's the, just just to add salt in the wound like when i went to my con i was like oh is that part of my asm sub and they're like Oh no no that's a you know it's it's like that those annuals Dan it's like it's, that's a separate catalog so we have to we have to put that one in special I'm like oh well it's special all right <laughs> <laughs> I got the same rap from them I'm like look I'm the Spider-Man guy you know me personally like I don't really think that I need to add these things on there you never know when something's introduced in one of these things it goes on to become like a major element you know to to the ongoing story so I don't think that's going to be the case here. I mean, like the content of the issue was fine. You know, like I, I think I'm used to Jed McKay writing a little more intriguing of a story than this. Um, this just felt like kind of like a perfunctory, like, you know, Marvel beat em up, you know, issue. The artwork is fun and snappy and things like that, but just super inconsequential and kind of the definition of like a read it once and put it away, like you said. So I don't know if it's even worth a grade mark. I would just say, Skip it if you have are, are thinking about buying it and it's not already an essential part of what you collect. There you go. I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> all right. All right. Great. Well, hey, everybody, if you find this show entertaining and valuable, please consider supporting us. Recommend Amazing Spider Talk to a friend. That would be so helpful. And, you know, if you're really able, become a member on our Patreon. Yeah, we can only bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members, and we owe the show's success to every single one of them. We are constantly making exclusive content for our members. 
Yeah, so why not take $3.99, the price of a new comic, and even a .1 comic, which I think maybe was $4.99? Uh, was this issue $4.99? Yeah, it was extra pages, so it probably was. <laughs> there you go. Well, so then less than that, you paid for that .1 issue and put it towards a month subscription to support the, our show and start receiving our Patreon content. That way you'll hear all these Patreon-exclusive review podcasts on every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man the same week they come out instead of waiting for them to arrive in our public podcast feed three months later. Yeah, and if you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. This season, we'll be mailing out a print by artist Ron Friends. He's created a lost page of the kid who collects Spider-Man for us, which was inked by Brett Breeding, and it depicts Tim and Spidey sharing laughs over Tim's Spider-Man comic collection. Plus, every episode, we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. But we know this is a hard time for everybody, as it is for us, too, so we appreciate anyone who supports the show just by listening and sharing it with your friends. But if you do have the means, please join our Patreon to support the continued existence of our show. Just follow the link in the description. And again, a thank you to all the members who already make our show possible. But alas, it is that time. Time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Yeah, this episode was edited by Rick Coase with production support from Andy Myers. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Buscema, and Ray Sumzer. Our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. And again, a reminder that this episode was originally released on Patreon as a live stream hangout with us back when the comic was first released. So if you'd like to help support our show's continued existence, and these reviews while joining us on the live stream, why not head on over to our Patreon and sign up? So Mark, until you drug me with some kind of advanced neurotoxin and my world starts to melt away before my eyes, which is how it often feels at the end of these shows, what's our <laughs> motto? Wow, I don't know if it's a compliment or what. Our motto, of course, is with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. The next installment. Just for the first time, I can't see the web. Easy.